you've heard it said, it doesn't have to be fun to be fun. Well, with that in mind, join us for an insider's glimpse into all things trekking, safaris, and world adventure. From packing for your Everest Base Camp trek, to what it felt like for a cancer patient to attempt to summit Kilimanjaro, or visiting a village in the Sacred Valley of Peru, you'll be inspired, informed, and ignited to get out there and start adventuring. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Type 2 Fun Podcast. First, you might be asking yourself, what does Type 2 Fun mean? Why is this a podcast? And who are these people? Well, hold tight. I'm going to get into that. First, I need to introduce the founder of Embark, Donovan. Hi, Donovan. How are you? I am good. So everybody, welcome to the very first episode of the Type 2 Fun Podcast. My name is Mariah, and I'm going to be your host through this lovely digital adventure. And we have the founder of Embark Donovan to sit here and set the tone and let you know why we're here, what we're doing, and some pretty cool stuff along the way. So we're going to unpack all of that. So sit tight or go on a run, lace up your shoes or hike, whatever you're doing while you're listening to us. Just make sure you're paying attention if you're driving. And let's dive right into Donovan. I have to know what does type two fun mean? Like, and, and it, it, since it's type two, that means there's a type one. So should we start with type one? Sure. No, that's a, that's a great place to start Mariah. Um, so yeah. So um, type one fun is just general fun, meaning you're going out with some friends to a park, you're, having a birthday party. It's just standard type of fun that all of us have every day. But type two fun is, you know, more about an experience that happens. And maybe that type two fun is something that is difficult or miserable, say, while it's happening, but kind of fun and personally rewarding in like retrospect. So, you know, you think about it, like when you're running a marathon, like, it's really hard and you're probably not enjoying it, say on the 20th mile or 21st mile. But at the end of the marathon, when you cross the finish line and you're with your friends and family, it was a very, very rewarding experience. So we're using that kind of metaphor. And the same can be for like a trek, basically. Uh, a trek can't isn't always actually fun during the experience itself, but it's always rewarding in the end. You know, so here's an example of type two fun. Uh, I spent a month trekking in Nepal. Um, we climbed a 20,000-foot mountain called Island Peak. We trekked to Everest Base Camp. And near the end of the trip, there was a big storm, and we were temporarily stranded in an empty, windowless building overnight. So we were on our last bag of ramen. We bought all the hard-boiled eggs in this tiny Nepalese village, and we had to spend the night in a building in a storm. So... That wasn't fun at the time, but it was a memorable experience, was a memorable experience now that later that I can tell my kids about. So, you know, in the end, we did make it back to Kathmandu in a helicopter. Um, But with type two fun, there's always seems to be a component of grit in the experience itself. It also sounds like with type two fun, you get all your really interesting bar stories. Oh, of course. Yes, of course. This is uh, <laughs> These are the stories with type two fun that people, 
want to go home and share with their family and friends. You know, uh, a lot of times people get back from the trips and they rank these things as the top, you know, three things that they've ever done in the, you know, in life. So it's, it's, it's great that they, that I can help facilitate those experiences for them. Yeah. So in the moment you're like, you're either crying or you're upset or you're, yeah, you're just, you're just, you're not having the best time. But then looking back on it, it's the stuff that people buy you drinks for. Oh, tell me about that time you did, you know, whatever. And, you know, you're able to look on it with a little, you know, rose colored glasses, it sounds like. Well, one of my friends said to me, it's, it's more like, sometimes it's like a trek that never seems to end. And as you can probably relate to, as I can relate to on treks in the Everest region and treks in Kilimanjaro, um, some of those last days, either going up or going down, seem to be those experiences that it never ends. So that's <laughs> that's type two fun for sure. I quite literally have said that. I remember turning uh, to one of my trekking buddies at Kilimanjaro. I was like, I need this to be over. <laughs> like, I, I want this to be over. But then now this is the stuff we're up late texting each other. Like, oh, don't you miss like going down the mountain in the dark in the rain in the rain and being held on by a you know by a porter so you didn't slip and fall like that's the stuff you just miss but in the moment you know it's it's definitely not fun i would not call it fun at all so <laughs> for sure i'm here for it so so before we go any further does that mean there's actually a type 3 fun where it just sucks all together i mean we couldn't even call it fun right yes no type 3 fun is just actually not fun at all <laughs> <laughs> You're just miserable. So I don't even know that we could call it fun. Yes, it's not really fun. <laughs> um, so it's definitely accurate. I've experienced um, lots of type two fun, both trekking, adventuring, and all that stuff. So I feel like you've got our attention with that. So um, that that means that we've correlated that to trekking and adventuring. But why did we even want to start a podcast? Like why... Why do we want to talk about type two fun if it sucks so much? <laughs> well, remember, it doesn't always, it doesn't suck at the end. It it's always just maybe, at the end. Yeah, yeah, it may be. Uh, so the whole podcast is going to suck, but the end is going to be awesome? <laughs> no. The <whole laughs> no. Pod, okay. podcast is going to be awesome. So, I mean, let, let's take a step back. Like Embark, you know, obviously Embark is an adventure travel company. So we plan adventures all around the world, whether it's trekking, whether it's a safari, whether it's a, a rafting trip or something like that. But it's also an experience that um, people really enjoy. And so people love to hear about adventures a lot of the times. And so we wanted to use this podcast, Type 2 Fun, to basically inform and basically inspire where people can keep like learning about adventure travel. So like the way I look at it is, you know, over the next few months, few years, you know, this podcast is going to cover everything from, say, a trek in Bhutan, uh, you know, uh, training for a trek, uh, how to plan a wildlife safari, uh, what it's like climbing the highest mountain in Russia, uh, maybe group dynamics on a trek. And so it's going to kind of cover all of those different aspects of a trek. So inspiration why should i do this and maybe how what i should do and how i should prepare for something like that so i'm not sure where it's all going to evolve to but it's definitely going to cover what i consider to be type two fun 
Well, some of the best things we don't know where it's going to end up. So I'm here for that adventure in and of itself. Quite, quite literally, though, you've, you've, you've asked me to be part of the adventure, so I'm here for it regardless. Well, I, but, I, appreciate, I appreciate that you're, you're doing this and you're helping to, to build this for Embark. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to get into Embark Exploration Company and all that that entails, but I want to know more about you first. Sure. Great question. Um, so um, Embark is based out of uh, Oregon. And so we're proud to call ourselves Oregonians, and we've lived uh, here most of our lives. Um, for the last year, we've been uh, living in Guatemala and Central America, and we're going to find ourselves there most all of next year as well. Um, my wife and I run this company, so many of the people who interact with her, Carrie, um, get to know her really, really well, and she's a lot of fun. Um, so she that's is super fun. Yeah, which everybody you should know. We're going to have her on the podcast uh, one day soon too. So buckle up, you'll get to meet Carrie too. Yeah, no, she's the you know the other side of me. So I stress about logistics and guides and pieces of the trip, and she you know uh, makes the people make, you know really enjoys the people and gets to know the people really well. And she's been going on a lot of tracks tracks the last few years and. Patagonia and Ecuador and elsewhere. And so we're uh, excited that she can get out and, and have those experiences too. So, yeah, so it's Carrie and I who run the business. Um, we have two kids, Thatcher and Sawyer, ages nine and 13, who are going to Spanish speaking school in Guatemala right now. And um, yeah, that's They it. have the best life. Do they know that they have the best life? They do not know that they have the best life. You know, it's funny when I was um, a, a kid, like my you know parents would take me to the beach or something like that once a year, twice a year. These kids are, you know, by the time they were almost 10 years old, at least for Thatcher, uh, he's been to more countries than I'd been to by the time I was 20 years old. So, you know, when I was a kid, I got to go to the beach and I was excited and, you know, these kids get to visit Vietnam and Tanzania and Patagonia. So they're very lucky and they don't, I don't think that they've realized that experience yet. All right. Well then make them listen to this podcast and guys, this is for you. You have a really awesome life. <laughs> so I hope, I hope that they know that. Um, well, one of really them, cool parents. Yeah. One of them, uh, Sawyer was, I think getting his hair cut a few months ago and this lady was chit chatting with him and she said, well, what's your favorite type of food? And he goes, Bon me. And she's like, what? And he's like, Bon me from Vietnam. You know, it was just totally funny. Whereas like when I was a kid, it was like French fries and hamburgers, <laughs> you know? So yeah, they're, 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 they're lucky. Um, but you know, they also like to be home back in Oregon as well. I love it. So for those who might've missed that you're back in Guatemala right now. So what's that like? Well, I mean, Guatemala's, uh, you know, it's an amazing country in Central America. It's often overshadowed by uh, Mexico. It's often overshadowed by Costa Rica. So uh, it's an amazing country that we're investing a lot of our time and energy into. Uh, what's cool about Guatemala is it has 13, or I'm sorry, it has 37 volcanoes. Wow. And three, which are incredibly active. So looking out of my window... I can see a volcano that is actually sometimes erupting more than 20 times an hour. And I'm not talking about like lava kind of coming down the side. I'm talking 
huge eruptions, kind of like you think of fountains on the 4th of July when you light them and they shoot way high up in the air. So, uh, do you like need to take cover? Like that worries me. Like now I'm like, I'm like, my anxiety is through the roof. Are you okay? Well, we're like, like know, is the lava than, coming to you? <laughs> no, we're about 10 miles away, but a mountain being 10 miles away is really not that far. It's still relative, relatively close. Um, ash does come down inside or ash does come down to the city of Antigua uh, sometimes. Um, but a lot of people actually get to climb up the mountain that's right next to it, connected by just a saddle, camp on the side of it and watch it erupt all night. Very, very close. So um, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool country. It's a, it's a cool city and place to be. And it's going, it has a tremendous amount of trekking and adventure through it as well. So, um, feel excited that I can spend um, some time down here with my, with my family and also get to facilitate new adventures here as well. So how in the world did you even get to a life that you have right now? Like, how did you start trekking and these adventures where some people are like, I want to be as further away from that life as possible. And others are like gravitated to it. It definitely seems like you have gravitated towards that life. So how did that start? Were you just a, a young little tyke who just loved to hunt down adventures or <laughs> did it hit, you know, a bug hit you one day and no, you became uh, adventure man? Yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest, um, my father started taking me rafting at a young age. So I started to get the experience on rafts. And as I kind of got into college, I started having a lot of friends ask if I could plan adventures for them. Um, I remember taking a group on a hundred mile rafting trip on the middle fork of the salmon with a few of my friends. And they were like, wow, this is amazing. You can order, uh, you can arrange a hundred mile rafting trip. So I was, I was able to start like putting adventures together and I realized I was really good at it. I was good at planning the adventure, understanding the adventure, the logistics. You know, I remember taking my friends like on a 40 mile backpacking trip on the Pacific Crest Trail a long time ago and and just realizing that I had the capacity to plan and figure out adventures because there's a lot that goes into planning them as well. The real thing that got me into adventure was also just my love for travel. I remember in college, I picked up this book called The Material World, uh, a global family portrait. And basically, they sent like you know, 20 photog- photographers out to live with you know, I say tw- 40 different some odd families around the world, different countries from, you know, Guatemala, Argentina, the United States, uh, Bhutan, China, etc. And then they documented, they took a picture of the people outside of their house with all of their family possessions. And I was just so infatuated with how the world was just a, you know, exotic array, array of different um, cultures. And so it really got me into wanting to travel. So, you know, after college and after sitting in a cube for a handful of years, uh, I decided to take a really big adventure. And I took a trip through like 13 countries for about half of a year. And it brought me and it actually ended up bringing me all the way down to Kilimanjaro, where I eventually lived on Kilimanjaro. Um, so you lived there. Yeah. So in 2002 and 2003, uh, Carrie and I, when we, she was just still my girlfriend, lived at the highest village that borders the national park. It's called Kimamboni, and it was at 5,000 feet on uh, Kilimanjaro, on the south side of Kilimanjaro. 
And so we started. I can't get a guy to go to dinner with me. And (laughs) she got a guy to move to Africa with her. Well, it's kind of Carrie and I are going to have to have a whole whole different kind of conversation. (laughs) Well, I I knew that I liked her because she was also, she had lived in Germany when she was a junior in high school. She actually went to German high school. Um, She self-enrolled at the University of South Africa. So she was already into world travel like I was. So it was a natural fit for both of us. And then I realized once we actually arrived that I'd barely known her a year. And I was like, oh my God, I'm living in Africa with this 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 woman that I barely know. But, you know, we managed to get by. We actually started a guest house on Kilimanjaro. Um, We started, yeah, we started the first Kilimanjaro Frisbee golf course where we were, you know, (laughs) we were throwing Frisbees all around um, the mountain to entertain our guests who stayed at at our guest house. Um, and then we also helped so, start. So now you're going to have women hitting their husband saying, how come you never started a guest house with me? on <laughs> Kilimanjaro. Well, I think so everyone has. Those. Yeah. I remember this was 20 years ago. So, you know, obviously life has changed and things like that, but I think a lot of people have those experiences when they're in their twenties and things like that. Something that they did that, you know, uh, <laughs> made them who they are today. I love it. So it sounds like then, that that was all just a really awesome journey to starting Embark. Um, how did that kind of manifest? Yeah, well, living on Kilimanjaro, um, I learned a lot about adventure travel that was happening there. Um, people were climbing Kilimanjaro. They were staying at our guest house on Kilimanjaro. And we were starting to meet a lot of the guides, a lot of the porters, and kind of figuring out how it all worked. So really Embark the launched there originally with the idea came up for it there. Um, and it became, you know, all about exploration, all about adventure travel. Um, so, you know, Embark kind of stands for a lot of different things. Um, but you know, one of our biggest things is, is really like kind of the community, you know, as you know, Mariah, um, we build a big community of people who've been on a lot of our trips. Some people come back, um, every year or every other year because they want another life-changing experience. So we've built a people that we consider friends um, and people on these trips make lots of friends. When you go on a, on a trek with someone for 10 days or 12 days or on a safari for them for six days or eight days, you, you learn a lot about them because you go through a lot of these, you know, experiences that you wouldn't just have with someone if you were sitting at a bar in Mexico or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah, they become your family. They definitely do. They definitely do. And and kind of on that note, um, you know, another kind of core aspect of Embark is is our family, which is the guides that we work with and the cooks that we have and the different um, communities we work with in each destination. So, you know, I don't – and like when COVID hit in March of 2020 – um, just a few months later, we were able to put together more than $22,000 for more than 40 families in Tanzania and Himalayas, all of who are kind of working for us. Yeah, I, I mean, I honestly would say that is truly what like, yes, Embark is an exploration company and you can do really amazing things with them. But more so what you buy is friendships and relationships that are cultivated through these adventures that you could never, ever imagine. And people who, like you just said, would rally around a cause or people or um, 
a time and do what families do and love on each other and take care of each other and make each other smile and feel wanted. And uh, it's weird. It's weird to say that like kind of kumbaya kind of thing, but it's, it's actually true. I've lived it. And, and I'm only, I've only known you what three, four years. Yeah. So uh, in, in, in a short amount of time, I know I could call on my adventure family. Yeah, that, that's that's for sure. I mean, the the other kind of component of this is like we also work with lots of like foundations that have like really good reverberations, or mm-hmm. are they they do good? So checks for various causes, whether it's like for cancer or Parkinson's or veterans or for the environment. So we feel like we're cultivating a family and then we're working with just different groups that are doing it for great reasons. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. It's, yeah. A lot of people have their own why and it's, it, it's, uh, it's interesting to see how a lot of that why is for someone else. Like I lost someone to, to cancer or, um, you know, my brother is battling it right now. So I'm doing this for him or even people who are in the midst of battling something and go, um, which people will hear about as we continue to interview along the way. But um, there, there are a lot of whys uh, wrapped up in these adventures, which is really cool. Yeah, well, remember what like Sir Edmund Hillary said. He said, it's not the mountains we conquer, but ourselves. And that's really, really true. A lot of people come on these adventures and, you know, three, four, five days into it are questioning why they're there. Um, should they be there? Can they do it? But they just persist, 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 and then they do get there. They do find nirvana. They do get to that point where they realize that they can push them that they can push themselves beyond what they had, had expected. And just like you did when you trekked to Everest Base Camp, and then Ooh. were able to to come back and realize that you made it. You made it. Yeah, yeah, it did. Al- always lots of really cool stories with those for sure. So you started at Kilimanjaro, but and obviously we referenced Everest Base Camp a couple of times, but that's definitely not where the adventure ends with Embark. So what kind of climbs and treks and experiences, you know, can I expect if I sign on my adventure life with you forever? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Which yeah. side note, you actually do. It's funny. I remember like the moment I got back from EBC, you were like, hey, by the way, this is your next adventure. <laughs> like already like this is the next one you should do, by the way. And I'm like, yeah, just take my money. Let's do it. I'm <laughs> so, I do feel like I've given you my adventure life from now for the. Well, thank you. The thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So usually people like to do something about every two years or two to three years, it seems like. But um yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, right now, obviously, like you said, our core experiences tend to be in the Himalayas and East Africa, but we also do, you know, South America and Central America as well. But we're, we're trying to like add a trip each year, but what's, it's really tricky to actually add a trick, add a trip. Um, they have to be personally vetted by us. We have to go through the experience. We have to find out if it's something that everybody does, how can we make it better? So, you know, for example, um, you know, we have a trip in Guatemala this February, and that took more than a year to develop. Um, we're climbing three separate mountains, you know, one of the highest mountains in, or the highest mountain in Central America. And then we're also doing a 
40 mile trek between uh, Antigua, Guatemala and Lake Atitla in Guatemala on trails that nobody else treks on. So to come up with how to put that, all the logistics of that together takes a tremendous uh, amount of work. So um, you kind of glazed over that, but I definitely want to make sure people understand the, the core of who Embark is, is it's not just, Oh, you want to go to Machu Picchu? Cool. We'll do the thing. We'll stamp and repeat everything. Everybody else does. Like you really dive in there and say, okay, just because everybody does it doesn't mean it's the best and doesn't mean it's going to be the coolest experience. Let's go there. Let's meet these people. Let's experience it for ourselves. Let's find out what the locals say is the best. And let's craft together a really awesome adventure that, yes, you can go to the place that you've wanted to go to, but you can experience it. So there's two things. One, you can experience it in a way that no one else has. And then with a company whose standards are far and beyond anything that I've ever, um, you know, ever experienced. Would you, yeah. would you say that's correct? Yeah. I mean, listen, I would never tell you to go hike on the Inca trail to Machu Picchu. That's an absolutely miserable trail. 500 people a day, jam packed going up to Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu itself is amazing, but instead we would be on a remote pass that is actually still a former Inca trail coming four or five days to get to the base of Machu Picchu, not on the Inca trail itself. So you're right. Uh, we go to different destinations. We figure out the better stuff that's out there, the stuff that maybe doesn't have that name that everybody wants to say that they've done, um, but is a better experience in itself. So yes, it takes a lot of time to figure it all out, uh, to do it and to, you know, find our, our team of people that we're working with in each location. Um, one of the reasons why we're living in Guatemala is just because we know it has a lot of opportunity in the future and you get a lot of credibility when you live at a destination uh, where you're actually running trips. Yeah. So side note, I was on, yeah, it was EBC. So I had already done Kilimanjaro and I was at Everest, um, doing the trek. I think I was in the middle of the trek and I messaged Carrie and I said, where do you guys find these amazing people? Because it just, it hit me that it's, there's this underlying, um, just giving nature to the people that you meet and just true joy, just seeping out of all these guides and porters and everything. And, um, she, she was like, she was like, Oh, that's Donovan. He, he meets, he meets these people. She was like, it, that's all him, not me. <laughs> so I think it also is true. Like you go into this place, you kind of got the Midas touch for meeting pretty awesome people. It sounds like. Well, I, I've, I've been a guide and I've guided lots of trips and I know what to look for in different types of guide people who are motivated by the experience, not by the financial reward at the end of it. People who are, into it for the, the long-term um, versus the, the short-term gain. So yes, I go out and I hunt down different guides. I sometimes guide myself. Um, then we have guides in the U.S. that come on some of the trips and then in all these different destinations around the world. And, and kind of coming back to Guatemala again, like we have the most amazing guide, woman guide um, in Guatemala. Her name's Luisa. And she's, you know, probably five foot one, five foot two. So she's really short. Oh, she's tiny. Yeah. But she is a powerhouse of a woman. She can walk into a village and find all the right people and make all the right connections. Um, 
and basically just empower everyone that's there that want want to be part of this experience. Like a number of these villages that we're going into, um, actually, some of them don't even speak Spanish. They only speak some of the local mind languages, which are Ketchikal. So we actually have mm. guides that speak Spanish, Ketchikal, and English in order to facilitate these experiences. But my point is, is she's the best of the best. And so we have to cultivate that. And that's why it takes so long to, to develop a trip. You can't just go there and find a guide. You have to find someone who's in it for the real reasons. I was kind of hoping you were going to like let me behind the curtain and say you have this like super top secret, you know, test that you give people. But it sounds like it's just good old fashioned getting to know people in their heart and their motivations, which stinks. I wanted to know, like, you make people stand on their heads and in the pouring rain and while someone <laughs> yells at them in American or something and see if they can take it with a smile on their face. No, I just have good intuition with, with people and I've refined it over the years. I mean, I've been organizing adventure trips for, you know, two decades now. So I kind of live it, live and breathe it every day. And like I told you uh, at the beginning of our conversation today, you know, if a guide to me is like one minute late to a, a briefing or something like that, I'm already mm-hmm. just like, is this really the person we're looking for? I need people who are punctual, show up. There's a lot of people come on these trips. And like I, I said, it may sound cliche. It's These are like once-in-a-lifetime experiences. People are flying halfway around the world. They're doing some adventure for three weeks. And they want to have a, at least start the trip with, with someone they trust and believe in. And so, you know, punctuality is always important to me. I want to know your most memorable adventures and bar stories and can you think of one that you want to share with us like maybe it has to be something that you've actually done and not that um you know a client has told you (laughs) um but your your most memorable adventure well I, i have to be honest i have had lots of memorable adventures but let me just think of a few here um I did a hike across the desert in the country of Jordan in the Middle East. And we did a trek to Petra. Many of you might know of Petra. It's that famous picture that you see in the desert. Um, It's that famous archaeological site in Jordan's southwestern desert. I think it was uh, dates to around 300 B.C. So um, I did a desert trek. And, you know, desert treks are interesting because... Um, if it's not supported, you have to be very, very careful on uh, how you move across the desert and where you sleep. You have to know essentially where your water is going to be. And it's kind of funny because water is always the source of almost all of these adventures. You know, where are we going to get our water? Is our water going to be clean? Um, but desert treks are different because, ma- I mean, mountains, you know, you have the water seems to be everywhere and you can usually find water. But desert treks, you have to go to that tiny little spring and that little tiny canyon um, in order to um, be able to continue on your trek the next day. So um, that's a, that was a pretty amazing uh, trek that we did and we're hoping to continue to uh, facilitate that um, in the adventure or in the future. Um, uh, I did a Kilimanjaro trip a long time ago that had 30 people on it, but it was supported by more than a hundred porters. Um, wow. so that was like, uh, an army basically going up the mountain, Holy cow. um, you know, bringing food to not only feed the clients, but to feed the porters and all the different 
you know, variables that come in with moving 130 people for eight days up a mountain. That was a, a very uh, incredible experience in itself. How long was your vacation after that trek? <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm always, after these adventures, I'm always like, oh my gosh, I need a vacation from vacation. Because um, you have to be on if you're the owner of right. you know, the trip. So like this January, I'm going to climb Kilimanjaro and I'm actually going up the Western Breach, which is the the one route on the Western side of Kilimanjaro that enters into the crater. So most uh, experiences on Kilimanjaro, they only come up to the rim. So we're going in the crater where all the glaciers are and the ash pits. Um, and you still you know, have one, one, uh, opening on that trek. I think you did as far as like a couple of days ago. I do. I have one, one spot left on that trip. So, um, there's nine of us right now. So yeah, I'm looking, really looking forward to it. Um, you know, but like I said, most of my treks, um, tend to be, tend to be memorable, um, I really love Nepal, which you, you've obviously been to. It has so much, you know, to offer with trekking, but I really love how it's got Hinduism and Buddhism. It's polytheistic. You have Kumaris, living goddesses on different part, on different treks, say on the Annapurna circuit, which are amazing. So, you know, all of these kind of start to, to blend together. I guess the thing is, is, um, I still like work like everyone else does, does goes to an office and, and works, but it's really when I'm on the trips that I get to, to pinch myself about the experience that I'm, I'm, I'm going through at that time. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you've mentioned all of the things now and places that Embark goes, but you know, where is the future for Embark places you want to expand to and, or, you know, it sounds like also too, I could say like name my adventure and say, Hey, can I go here? <laughs> you know, so what's the future, what's the future like for Embark? Well, a lot of my guides actually pitch me on different parts of the world. Um, we have Sharon right now who's traveling around uh, Europe and she's pitching me on different destinations. And so, you know, yes, it's constantly evolving on where we're going and, and, and what we're doing. Um, you know, it's it's a, as an adventure travel company. There's a fine line between uh, planning a really cool adventure, but also finding ones that people have heard of. So I've, for mm-hmm. example, I've tried to plan trips before that no one would join because they've never heard of it. Like um, in Bhutan, for example, there is actually an, a national park in Bhutan that actually claims to have um, set aside habitat for the yeti. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's a true, it's true fact. And as for, if any of you've been in the Himalayas, um, before Yeti is kind of a facet of the Himalayas. And so I was like, let's get a group of people together. Let's go to Bhutan that still recognizes the government recognizes the existence of Yeti and let's go find Yeti. It's a great idea. It's a great (laughs) idea. But no one would take me seriously. Like no one's going to be like, I'm not going to go all the way to Bhutan to drive halfway across the country to go look in Yeti habitat. Personally, <laughs> I think it's fascinating. I think it's fun, but um, so, you know, going back to that, I would, um, I would totally do that, but maybe you start with a chupacabra since it's a little closer. <laughs> it's Puerto Rico. For those who don't know that it's the, it's the Puerto Rican version of the Yeti or Bigfoot or whatever you want to say it. And, it, and then chupacabra, Puerto Rican. Yeah. 
Okay, I didn't know that. I always I, met- yeah, I, I am Puerto Rican, so I'll tell you that's the only the only like uh, I could tell you about a chupacabra. I even have an idea of what he sounds like. We're not going to do that sound on this podcast, but uh, <laughs> I do I do a mean impersonation. <laughs> I, I really really want to hear. I'm not doing that for the podcast. <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned. Keep listening for the next one. I might. I might. So we do it in the next one. Um, well, it's kind of funny that you said that about the chupacabra because um, um, sometimes when we're trekking in, in in Guatemala, I've had people say, you know, uh, what are you looking for? And I say something like, buscamos uh, chupacabra. And then they kind of look at me and they're like, what? what? And so it's always kind of a joke, mainly to little kids. So I always right. mess with little kids. So, um, yeah, you know, we're, so we're trying to find the places that we think are interesting and that people want to go. So, you know, in South America, it's definitely Bolivia. Bolivia is the spot that we want. We already Ooh. do trips in Patagonia, but there's lots and lots of mountains and great indigenous cultures in Bolivia. So that's that's a big one on our radar. Um, Ethiopia in Africa is definitely a must. The Simian Mountains there again. So you can kind of see there always tend to be mountain communities a little bit. So Ethiopia mm-hmm. and Simian Mountains, that, you know, old world culture up there in the north. Uh, we're toying with the Greenland, um, which obviously um, is, is on the radar too. But and you know maybe some U.S. based trips. Um, but again, we're you know we still love all the classic trips that we do, and we put a lot of unique ones together just on a whim, and maybe we'll run it once a year or once every few years. You know, so this coming June and August, as you know, we're doing our first trek to Russia. So mm-hmm. excited to, you know, climb the highest mountain in Europe, which most people don't really think of Russia as, also some people don't think of um, Russia as Europe. Um, but yes, it's Mount Elbrus. Uh, when most people think of Europe, but they think of Mount Blanc um, in Switzerland. Um, so we're doing that and uh, just, you know, continuing on with our passion for, you know, travel and adventure and you know connecting with uh, different people around the world i'm excited for russia i've already raised my hand for that one for sure i'm really excited for that one and the other one i've wanted to do which honestly makes no sense that it would be done with guides because the whole point is you're supposed to do it by yourself Uh um but the camino de santiago uh that's on my list yeah. Yeah. They do do it guided as well, but yeah, we have a lot of people ask us about that as well. Um, but yeah, the whole I point mean, is that you're supposed to do it by yourself. So yeah, like I would I feel know. bad if I was like, Hey, can, <laughs> can you plan my pilgrimage for me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, and again, that's a little bit different about us. We, we were trying to strike out into to some different parts of the world that, you know, people mm-hmm. don't traditionally go into and figure out the logistics behind all of it. So, um, that's what, you know, the core of what we're at, not, you know, how do I plan your hiking trip on the grand Canyon? Um, you know, right. how to plan your trekking trip and, you know, Papua New Guinea kind of experience. So yeah, yeah totally, totally. So. <laughs> and I want to find the Yeti. So if you want to put that up there, I honestly, I think I could fill that trek. <laughs> I will try it again. I will try it. <laughs> I want you to go online and look at, the uh, the, the national park. I forget the name of it because it was quite some time, time ago, but yes, Bhutan does recognize, recognize the existence of Yeti and has park habitat set aside as well. 
I love it. Well, Donovan, I have to say, like, I'm super excited to share type two fun across many different aspects on this podcast journey. I know everyone's probably chomping at the bit to see who we're going to interview and stories and information we're going to tell. So I'm really looking forward to that. Thank you for this opportunity. And before we wrap up our time together today, uh, is there anything you want to tell the world what to expect or what you want them to know about Embark? Yeah. I mean, it's the the quote that I've shared with you in the past and it's, you know, adventure may hurt you, but monotony may kill you. So I firmly believe in, in that quote and I'm here to take that monotony away from you and to show you an adventure of a lifetime. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I appreciate all you're doing for this podcast. Remember, doesn't have to be fun to be fun. Thank you again for joining us on the Type 2 Fun Podcast. We'll see you on the next adventure. But in the meantime, check us out at www.embarkexplorationco.com.